You're listening to the Sound Girls Podcast with Katie and Daria. Today's episode features an interview with Megan Clement. After experiencing her exciting first gig as a young teenager, Megan Clement has been inclined to pursue a career in the live music industry. She found her calling as a freelance sound engineer. Based in the UK, she has been inspired by the idea of touring and traveling to different parts of the world with the aim to visit every continent. And what better way to do this than with great music and crew? The majority of her work is for audio production companies with her most recent role as the monitor tech for Cliff Richard. She is a passionate monitor tech and enjoys problem solving incorporated with RF and stage patch, but she also enjoys the physical demand of positions such as PA tech. The most exciting part of the job for her will always be that fantastic feeling you get whilst mixing extraordinary musicians for receptive audiences in great venues. Megan, I always, always, always start with the exact same question, which is to take us to the beginning of it all. Uh, and like, how did you get into audio in the first place? Um, well, I haven't actually been doing it. Sorry. <laughs> so I haven't actually been doing it very long in the grand scheme of things. Um, compared to other people, you know, I've only really been in the industry for about six, seven years. Um, and... Yeah, I just, I started going to gigs when I was younger, um, you know, punking off college, um, going to see bands in London and just fell in love with it and decided that's what I was going to do, much to my parents' dismay. <laughs> um, and yeah, it it was very much luck-based for me. Um, so all of my opportunities, I was very much in the right place at the right time. Um which has been fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, it, it all began, you know, sort of work experience, working for free, little venues, um, mixing bands that sort of young bands that have only just formed and, and getting to know their music. Um, and yeah, just following them up through, um, to bigger and better venues, um, where I eventually, managed to get some some good contacts to lead me further um like I say I, I I feel like I was all of my career was based on luck and just people that happened to be there at the right time um I ended up in a couple of venues in Guildford um one of them uh hires or is hiring some gear for from a production company that I work for now um and that's how I got to know them they wanted me to come and uh, get some experience in the warehouse, which was great for someone like me because working in a couple of venues, I didn't really have much knowledge of the gear apart from what was in those venues. Um, so I was able to sort of spend some time with a lot of gear um, in a warehouse for like three years. Um, and eventually they let me go freelance, which was great. Um Sorry, I thought yeah. you were going to say, eventually they let me go free. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> they let me out. <laughs> they let me out from the warehouse after three years. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, do some sunlight. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm not really good at this whole interview thing. Oh, no, like, it's all right. I just, I find it really weird talking about my life. Like, <laughs> To me, it's just so, like, random, <laughs> basic. No, that's fine. Let's trace the randomness. Let's mm -hmm. trace the lucky path. Let's uh, 
Okay, well, well you said um, in your bio that uh, you started when you were a teen. And so, like, first question, yeah. so you didn't go to school for this? Uh, well, I did do a sort of a part-time course. Um, so after a first year of college, I sort of realized college is, is not the way for me. Um, so I jumped onto this course in Guildford, and it was a couple of days a week, run by Cato uh, in Wandsworth. And it was just sort of like a here's a mixing desk, here's what GamePot does, um, all, that, all that kind of, you know, like beginner stuff, here's a microphone, here's what polar patterns are. Um, and that was great. Um, but through that, I managed to get um, some experience on my first proper gig, which was just like, you know, um, back room of a pub. There's a pub in Guildford called The Star. They've got a great venue in the back room um, and they put on training courses uh, and stuff there. So yeah, I was in there, met someone who managed to get me onto another venue in Guildford. And it was, it was through that really, it was through actually getting out there and, and going and getting the experience. Um, the course is good, but I, I used it for the people more than the content. Right. Um, yeah, I got some experience through Brit Row as well. The company I work for, um, the production company I work for, um, they ran a course, uh, which is great, um, which is way more in depth. Um, really, you know, goes into acoustics and RF and stuff. Um, yeah, and and that that taught me a lot as well. But again, I I'm quite a pra- practical learner, so I really just need to be doing it rather than than sat down looking at a screen. Um, but that's that's they were great for that because they had all the gear in their warehouse anyway, so you could go and you could you know, play around with the gear and they're quite happy to let you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's as much as I have in terms of, um, sort of, I guess, educational <laughs> background. Um, Sounds scary. Were you scared? Like the first couple, first dozen yeah. <laughs> gigs? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really ever alone for my first bunch of gigs. I did like two years worth of working for free. I was very mm-hmm. lucky. I lived at home. I was young, so it didn't really affect my life too much um, in terms of finances, etc. So I could do it. I could get away with doing it. Um, and yeah, it, it was scary, but there was always someone there. Um, eventually, you get to the point where you're like, you know, I'm going to do this on my own now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it is scary. When But you've always got you know, people you can talk to. There's always people on your phone, contacts that you've made that, that are always willing to help. Um, and at the end of the day, it's a gig and it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask uh, about that first first solo gig you've done. Um, what was it? Can you tell us about it? What was it like? Um, well, I knew the venue, so mm-hmm. that helped uh, quite a lot. I knew where all the gear was. I knew the desk. Um, so... I guess the nervousness that first came on that first show was actually talking to the bands yeah. and actually trying to get them to listen to you in a small venue yeah. can be quite daunting when you've got, you know, all these guys are a lot older than you and like mm-hmm. they're having a good time um, and you just want them to get on that stage <laughs> and start sound checking. <laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. So that, that was sort of the, the big thing for me was to sort of come out of my shell a little bit and to be able to talk pe- to people, especially in a professional manner, 
uh, as well. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, again, I, I was very basic with my mic use, um, in the beginning, you know, never did kick in, kick out, snare top, snare bottom. It was always sort of the basic mic set up just so I wouldn't overcomplicate myself. Um, and it was easy to mix. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was fine for me knowing the venue, knowing the gear. It was just the whole aspect of uh, being able to chat to bands, um, which you do pick up over time. And there's only so many times you can ask someone to get on the stage before <laughs> you put your foot down and you learn that you need to put your foot down. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, no, I am, I'm grateful for that as well, because if I hadn't done that, then I think I'd be struggling now. I really do, especially talking to artists in a mm -hmm. professional manner um, and knowing how they want to, you know, perceive you and, and knowing how you should talk to certain caliber of people. It can be quite daunting, but it's, it's something that you just sort of pick up. Oh, yeah, it's quite skills. difficult, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, also, um, Oh, what's the word? Um, I chat a lot of shit, sorry. That's fine. That's perfect. <laughs> I need to fill the hour somehow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the word I'm looking for is um, uh, satisfying, I think, to, to get to yell at some 40-year-old uh, uh, entitled men in bands you are you trying to sell to the job that. right now that's the that's the highlight is it mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean it's harder when they're drunk as well oh that yeah makes it a little bit more difficult. um uh, but yeah i've always had backing of uh members of staff mm -hmm. venues um you know like i've never had personally a situation where anyone's been particularly like rude to me um I'm quite lucky um I know other people that have but I've you know I've always just sort of had either politeness or bluntness from bands and I take the bluntness from mm -hmm. bands it's just that's the way they are <laughs> there's no need to sort of um say anything back to them um I'm yeah I've I've had quite quite a relaxed and easy experience touch wood so far mm -hmm. um uh, and I haven't actually directly had to deal with any artists that have like lost it and, and got really angry um generally I've been in a situation where I can back away and let whoever needs to deal with it deal with it uh tour managers production managers etc um and yeah, I'm grateful for that because mm. I've seen people get angry on stage and it's not a nice experience, but I've learned to keep my mouth shut as well. You know, I don't need to get involved in all that sort of drama. Um, it's nothing to do with me most of the time. Mm. Um, and when I'm mixing, I generally mix uh, quite small gigs. So um, I don't tend to see that side of, of artists in the sort of smaller venues because they're usually, you know, quite eager, young um, bands that, that are really just there to, to have a good time um, and haven't particularly been doing it very long. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is monitor mixing, right? So that's kind of why you have to work so intimately with the bands because you're like doing their mix. Is that the idea? So Sorry, I don't do I, live. 
<laughs> just no, FYI. <laughs> no, no, so um, uh, monitor teching um, is working for the monitor engineer. So what I do is I set up the gear for the monitor engineer so they can literally walk in and mix the gig in a perfect world. Um, so I'll set up the desk for them, load up their files, set up the monitors or the ears, uh, test everything. And microphones, I always end up doing stage as well. Um, and an RF and bits. So it's not, monitor teching isn't actually the mixing side. It's more the sort of technical setting up, making it ready for the mix engineer to come in. Um, I do mix, but usually it's both front of house and monitors from a front of house desk somewhere because I only do sort of like um small um venues you know like grassroots kind of stuff um locally to me um which is purely because um I've spent all my time monitor teching mm. which I love as well it it doesn't have quite the same uh, buzz as mixing a great show but um for me, it's, it's just interesting. I love the whole RF side of it, yeah. radio frequencies. They can cause a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. I love that. I just The problem solving is, is great and everything, you know, falls on your shoulders, which is quite exciting, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like- going to ask about um, uh, RF. Like, uh, mm. is it it's for bands, is, isn't it, rather than... Um, Sorry, I just received an email. Read it, read it on it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's it's for it's for bands. Uh, you, yeah, that you do monitor so, checking. Yeah, RF. so uh, the RS side of things is their uh, wireless in ear monitors, which a lot mm-hmm. of bands are starting to use now. Um, so they don't, you know, have to have a big speaker in front of them. Um, and the wireless microphones as well that people are using now, mm-hmm. um, whether it be, you know, for instruments or for vocals. Um, it's it's quite an interesting topic um, to go into. There's a lot of science behind it. Yeah. Um, I think that's what I enjoy about it. Um, it's very similar to, you know, like mics, you've got your polar patterns mm-hmm. of your antennas and you've got to know sort of what you're using, what doesn't work because, you know, things clash. Um yeah, it's, it's just it's exciting part of it for me because it's not really something that I thought I would be getting into going into sort of live sound, mm-hmm. um, but it is a massive part of it now. Um, and yeah, I, I enjoy it. There's quite a lot of responsibility there as well. Like you have to uh, license oh, yeah. frequencies you want to use, um, make sure you're using correct legal frequencies, otherwise you can get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, that person's yeah, saying. Like, that's insane, yeah. right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a completely different world. And, like, you know, you can only use certain frequencies in certain countries. Yeah. Um, it's just a whole whole different aspect to it. I never thought I'd be looking at. But, I, no, I enjoy it. It's good. And and that's the thing. It's, like, it's really scientific. And I was just wondering, like, for someone who's not, um, who looked at college and was like, no, thanks. Uh, yes. <laughs> ends up doing something that is incredibly like um, scientific and requires uh, that sort of uh, problem solving skills um, that aren't about, you know, just like, uh, you know, the, how you feel about something, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, actual I'm maths. Not- yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a mathematician by any means. Um, 
and I'm not, you know, the smartest person in the world at all, but it's, it's just, I mean, the, the resources that I used to learn all this stuff, um, was very well laid out, you know, companies like Sure and mm-hmm. Sennheiser, they all run courses, um, in networking and in RF networks. And it, after, you know, a few of those, it actually started to drill into me and, and it is something that, that I did have to take, take a few sessions to learn because it, it was a bit different. I mean, I like my physics, mm-hmm. but I'm not a mathematician, you know? Um, so it, it is something that, that you, you can actually look into and there's a lot of content out there, um, to learn from. Um, and my course at Brit Row uh, covered it uh, very well as well. Um, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, when we had um, Hannah Broderick on, that was mm. the course she was on as well. Was it? Too much? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think she did um, one of the ones before me. Um, I think I did mine in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't too long ago. Um but yeah, no, I, I know Hannah. Hannah's great. Um, yeah. And I do know Hannah through the company. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's been going on for quite a while now. But um, I feel like I'm selling the course now. I think, I think we, uh, Sound Girls is selling the course. Um, no, but it's it's kind of true that like you, you uh, learn quite a lot through the companies that want to sell you their product. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is great because I mean, a lot, a lot of these things for me were free. Mm-hmm. Um, I was quite lucky in that respect. So the, the course that I did was for free. The original one I did was uh, like a, an academy course. It cost a bit, a bit of money, but, um, cause it was only part time and only a year. It wasn't too bad. Um, but since then, all of my education in industry wise has been free, mm-hmm. um, and fully accessible for anyone, which is incredible. And I don't think I would be in the position I am in now if that hadn't been the case. Um, so yeah. I know there are some things you got you can get into that, that do cost money. Like I, I've looked at rigging before. Oh. And to do a good rigging course, you've got to pay good money, um, as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Things like, you know, console training days and RF training and network training. All of those that I've come across have been free. Yeah. Which is great. That's cool. That's good to know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's lots of content online as well, actually, um, which is what I spent a lot of lockdown doing. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Wow. So, like, how does um, traveling factor into your career because you're like uh, a traveler no <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i would use a different term okay well how do you say that um <laughs> I have a so, some some connotations in this country i believe oh, uh, with that term so oh like, um, traveler in the uk is like um like Irish gypsy kind of thing. Oh. <laughs> in Canada, we just, <laughs> we're all travelers. 
Okay. What do you what do you call uh, like a tour? Touring. <laughs> uh, a tourist. I was dead excited when I went to Scotland for the first time. Mm. I was like, do you know what? I haven't been out of England since I was a kid. I don't know what the big world looks like. And it, it started, you know, small. We went on this little tour and I was actually merch on this first tour. Mm-hmm. And... Um, went to Scotland and went to Ireland and it was great. (laughs) Um, And eventually managed to get on a couple of tours that went through Europe, which is incredible. I love Europe. Um, I love the weather. I love the food Um, and just seeing different Mm -hmm. places. Um, My favorite part of any bus tour is sitting in the front lounge of the bus and just looking out all the windows and seeing the world go past. Um, and, you know, you go to some incre- cool. like, incredible places, like driving through Norway, driving through Switzerland. Like, it's just stunning, absolutely mm-hmm. stunning. And you can sit there with your beer and just take it all in. Um, and there's still so many places that I haven't been to. Yeah. Um, like, I'd love to go to Asia um, I'd love to go to America. I haven't been to America. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, it might happen one day. Um, it's sort of the big leap, I think, is going from the UK to an American tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do hope it happens one day. Um, but, yeah, no, I've, I've been to quite a few. I've got a few quite places on my list now, which I've been to, which I'm quite proud mm-hmm. of. Um, I'd say... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm mostly looking forward to sort of like Japan, yeah. America, Australia. I'd love to see. Um, Not Canada. Canada too. Okay. No, no, I'd love to. See, I mean, oh, another email. Ooh. I wish I got that you know, email. Actually, started emailing today. <laughs> I had a bit of a like a week where I just needed to like not do anything. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, they're all coming through now. Mm. Um, yeah, Canada looks beautiful. I'd love to go to Canada. I would. I mean, I don't. I don't really see any of the bands I'm working with at the minute going, taking me to these places for a while. I think I would need to find um, a bigger sort mm. of either US or. A Canada-based band to sort of access that side of the world. Right. Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, it's a harder thing to do for all sorts of reasons nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, it's a few um, factors. It's like yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, a few factors. But um, I wouldn't. I'm curious about uh, a place you have been to um, mm. that um, usually is a, a tricky thing for. Um, uh, for women uh, identifying people to travel to, and it's um, Saudi Arabia. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's um, where you've been. Um, just yeah. uh, a quick, a quick, ser- serious question about your experience and how, what, what you would uh, advise people who are going there to uh, to do, what to expect. Okay, so I was dead nervous about going to Saudi. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
was on a tour already and I was going straight there and I didn't have any time to go home and prepare for this. And it was so scary for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, I did really enjoy my time there. And um, it wasn't quite what I expected it to be. So I had a lot of people telling me before I went that there were going to be issues and I would have to be really careful and I should be worried. And it just it added to the nervousness of the mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, and I bought a couple of headscarves and I bought some long sleeve T-shirts and I had some jeans with me. And I went and, you know, on the plane, on my way there, a bit nervous. Um, I was talking to the air hostesses. They were great. And I was just like, you know, what do I need to do? Do I need to wear my headscarf when I get off at the airport? And they were like, no, no, we don't wear headscarves anymore. Um, So, I mean, I was shocked by that. But a lot has changed um, in particularly the last couple of years Mm -hmm. Um, for women especially. You know, women can drive now which is a big step um, for them. I I took her advice. I didn't uh, put on my headscarf. I just stuck with the long sleeve T-shirts and the long sleeve trousers, and I was absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I was quite lucky in the respect that the company I was working for really looked after us. So we were in a westernized compound where we stayed. Um, So it was an actual gated off bit of land that you know women can swim wherever they want to swim you can wear a bikini um because no none of the outside world was getting in um we also worked on quite a westernized site um and it was sort of agreed with the production and whoever was in charge of looking after everyone that you know belongs you wear your long sleeve t-shirts and you wear your long sleeve trousers then the locals on site would never have an issue. And it mm-hmm. was true. Um, everyone was lovely. Um, I did venture out once or twice. And I didn't go too far. I mean, I, I wanted to be careful. Um, so I did just sort of go to the mall and just around town. We were in Riyadh. Um, so it's actually quite, you know, it's like it's very wealthy. Um, it's almost like just an American shopping mall mm-hmm. um, that you go to. Like, it's just incredibly westernized. Everything's in English and Arabic. So you can, wow. you know what's going on around you. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, I, I relaxed instantly once I had sort of settled in after a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't really say for sort of going into sort of like the downtown areas because I, I just didn't go. I mean, most of that was because I was, you know, working hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had a lot to do. Um, but also because I, I just wanted to stick to, to what I knew. I was sort of quite careful in that respect. But next time I go, I would like to see more, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully the work will be a little bit less time-consuming yeah. and a few more days off. Um, but I, I did, yeah. I, I did honestly think that it was quite relaxed. I mean, I, I didn't have any issues whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. So I was, yeah, very relaxed in that respect. Yeah, that's that's good to know. I'm just uh, uh, 
wondering if you can point out point anyone to any sources that you can think of uh, because there isn't a lot of information about um, yeah. touring um, or you know traveling and working um, in Saudi Arabia and, there, and therefore people will feel like you know they don't know what to expect and uh, sure yeah um, I I honestly I think that might be because of of how much it's changed mm-hmm. in the last couple of years um, it's just not up-to-date information because so much is going on in that country um and i mean i searched up i googled you know traveling to saudi arabia and a lot of the websites told me i needed to wear my headscarf um and i needed to buy the correct cultural clothing um but i mean it was a completely different story for me i think the most accurate information i got online was i I think it was on the the actual Saudi Arabian embassy website. Um, and just through talking to people that had been there, what mm-hmm. um, was my best bet. Um, I'd say resource, uh, resources for finding information about traveling can be quite difficult when going there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I, I would say just chat to people, you know, that have been, you know, on Facebook's a great tool. Uh, if you can get yourself on Facebook groups with like-minded people and then they, they're they always willing to, you know, help you out, offer advice. Um, there's a lot of groups online. Mm. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for a serious note. <laughs> Back to the fun chat. <laughs> also, one second. Uh, what, were you, what were you there for? It was like an EDM festival. It's like the cream fields of Saudi Arabia. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was it was different. I mean, you don't drink in Saudi. That's mm-hmm. a big thing. That was a big thing for me. Mm, so yeah. like, I love a beer after work. <laughs> and that was just not an option. Yeah. Um, you can drink non-alcoholic, but it's not the same. No, um, not the same. <laughs> it's not the same at all. Um, so, you know, the, the the punters that went to the gig, um, uh, the majority of them were, you know, Saudi Arabians, and it was very much like an Instagram thing. Um, like it was, it was really well sort of portrayed um, on site. They had a lot of visual effects there and stuff, and it was great for people's Instagrams and stuff. It's just a weird concept to me, the idea of not drinking at a festival. Yeah, uh, they were there to enjoy the music, and that was it. That's crazy. <laughs> EDM as well. Jeez. Oh, you Sorry, cut that out. You need something oh, else. <laughs> Talking smack. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, and there were a lot of uh, sort of British and American artists as well. Um, like, I think David Guetta played. Um, That's cool. People like that. I mean, it, it was it was literally what I would call the Greenfields of Saudi Arabia. Um, mm. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a really weird place to work. I mean, you had different challenges every day. So I remember the first day I worked there. Being from the UK, I'm not used to sun, and immediately got mm-hmm. like heat stroke. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so I had to buy a hat very quickly and some sunglasses. Mm-hmm. I bought some really nice Ray Bans. I was very happy with them, and um, you know, like you got to wear masks because of the sand. It just gets everywhere. Um, like there was a couple of times where I would be running cables through a massive sand, 
storm and and I look around and everybody's gone inside and I'm the only one out working because I haven't realised it's not nice to work in a sandstorm. Um, so, yeah, there, there was a couple of things, you know, you've got to watch out for, like, snakes and stuff. I mean, in, in the trenches. Snakes. snakes. There's snakes. Yeah. This is like... Did they put that in the job description? Because... Um... <laughs> Yeah, imagine you're like, grabbing for a cable or you think you've got one in your hands. <laughs> snakes, I hate snakes. <laughs> basically, basically oh. Indiana Jones episode. Indiana Jones. But it's not much different when you're working in, you know, like mm. a really old venue in the UK. You always check the cable trap for like dead mice or rats before you put your hand in there. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> this, so it's part of the... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Daria! Experience? Do you, have you grabbed well, a mouse? No, mouse because I'm, I'm I'm secluded in in the uh, posh world of theatre, so no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they don't have the mice. <laughs> we don't have mice in our cable traps. No. <laughs> wow. Um, but I have to say, Soundstorm—they didn't have to work for that name a lot. They didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, it just came to them. I mean, <laughs> no, who knows where? <laughs> right. Um, so wait, wh- when was this, by the way? This uh, Saudi Arabia. That was in November. Um, wait. So November, like during COVID. Just, just before Christmas. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. That was. Yeah. That was an interesting thing. So like, we'd do the whole PCR before we went out, kind of thing. Um, got there. We're all, you know, lateral flowed and PCR'd and making sure we're safe. And it, it was just interesting because we weren't convinced that, you know, the locals had, you know, received all of the same luxuries as us as we did in the UK because it is, it is different cultures out there and there was a lot of um, people working there that, that didn't have great incomes and came from poorer backgrounds and there's just there's no way that they would have been vaccinated because they just don't have access to such things and it was just it was a really sort of like eye-opening experience for a lot of us because it was like wow we're we're incredibly lucky to be where we are at this minute in time Mm -hmm. um with sort of all the the covid uh regulations and vaccines that we've we've been able to get get a hold of um it was just it was a different different experience out there um because you do encounter a lot of people from different areas yeah so then is work like in general pretty like uh stable i guess during covid like did covid disrupt um your (laughs) disrupt your life (laughs) of course it did Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. COVID disrupted. Like, I mean, I was back in 2020. I was, you know, like just really getting into the rhythm of touring, and I was just getting on with some great bands, and mm-hmm. was just about to go to America. And, <gasps> oh, um, yeah. oh no! So, um, and it's kind of like it's weird because I feel like COVID, like it just wiped the slate clean. Mm. So, like you start up again, you still have the same contacts and everything, but like all the bands I was working with, they're doing different stuff now. Mm-hmm. So, 
had to sort of like start up with new people. I mean, the companies I work for have been fantastic in, in uh, providing me with work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm very grateful for that and, and having these contacts. Um, but, yeah, it, it was weird. I mean, I just like I feel like a new person. Um, it's, it's just like you have different experiences now and like I don't know mm -hmm. I think I don't think COVID was was good for anything but um it, it's definitely taught me how to like be a better adult that's for sure oh <laughs> oh I'm so sorry <laughs> no yeah I had to learn to cook and look after myself oh no oh man <laughs> sucks <laughs> It's rock bottom. That's oh, terrible. Um, <laughs> oh my god! I got had a question. Was, oh. Actually, no. Yes. Um, uh, favorite gig. What's your favorite gig that you've done? Ooh, good one. I. I mean, I like all kinds of music. Um, and but I think my favorite gig would have to be um, Mike and the Mechanics supporting Phil Collins. That was just an incredible tour. Mm -hmm. A because I was working for the support band, which is comes with its benefits in itself. You know, you're not always up the latest, and oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So um, you're not up the earliest either, which is quite nice. Mm -hmm. um, but the crew on that gig, the band, um, and and just the whole Phil Collins uh, crew. They're all just fantastic, and it was incredible to see every evening. It was fantastic. I mean, we could have gone off to the hotel, gone to the pub, whatever, but we decided to stay, and we watched every single Phil Collins <laughs> evening. Mm. Um, that's all, um, just because it was it was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Did you play any Tarzan songs from the Tarzan soundtrack? Kill <laughs> <laughs> <Kim's> iconic album. <laughs> I don't know which ones are in Tarzan. <laughs> I want to know, can you tell me? I was saying this the other day. I love, that's a good album. Everyone everyone who knows, um, write me some fan fan mail if you know what I'm talking about. Tarzan animated film, mm. sick soundtrack, Phil Collins. I have to check that out, okay. Yeah, you do. Can I write you some fan, fan mail, Kate? Please write me fan mail, I'm dying for it. Will, I've been fine. waiting all year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so that was the top that was the top was mm. the, yeah the absolute top of my career um best gig um I, I don't think I, I I don't think I have a worse gig like we've all got gigs that weren't great <laughs> what makes I, it not great um, good question for me it was my <laughs> <laughs> The musicians clearly. No, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I did, I did have a a couple of gigs when I was young, um, and still learning. Where I made wrong decisions a couple of times, and that's just super stressful, and you never forget. Like it's always there in the back of your head to embarrass you. Um, but it's it's just how I learn. So I think I can't really put myself down too much for that. Mm -hmm. um, you learn from your mistakes so mm. <laughs> uh, it's best to move on and it was never anything dramatic I mean it's only a gig at the end of the day yeah so he's gonna die mm. like, hopefully yeah hopefully. <laughs> well 
<laughs> That's a bad kick. <laughs> that is a bad that gig. Yeah. Oh my god, knock on wood or something. <laughs> what aspect of live sound is your favorite to work with? So money. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, let's um, talk about business. Freelance mm. business. Money. <laughs> Have you done your taxes? Yeah. (laughs) I'm in the process of doing my taxes. I am very late this year. Oh, yeah, Um, same. But it's fine. I mean, it was COVID last year, so it's not like I Uh, earned anything anyway. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, actually. It didn't take very long this time around. It was like, how much did you make? (laughs) What were your expenses? None. (laughs) It's fine. Um, Right, best part of the gig... Um, that's a hard one. I mean, I love working with like-minded people in the industry. Mm-hmm. Like everyone that I've worked with, you can have a laugh, you can go to the pub with. They're just awesome people. Um, love the traveling. That is essential um, to me. Uh, I can't work in the same place for too long. <laughs> Otherwise I go crazy. So I love going to different places. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, that's two things, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of things. Mm-hmm. That's two things. <laughs> More than a lot of things I like about my job. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the people, the places, and... The things. You know, like, okay, so- it's just the thing. <laughs> it suits me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a very sit-down-and-write-things kind of person. Like, I need to be physically active and doing stuff mm-hmm. so but that's what I enjoy about it um keeps my I don't know <laughs> it keeps you out of trouble <laughs> um yeah I mean I don't like since COVID like I don't think uh well since COVID I've had to do quite a few different jobs Um, I didn't get any support from the government, so I ended up driving delivery vans and I worked in an office for a little bit Mm. and I've worked in a a music shop, which was quite fun. Um, But I've just, I've done quite a few things over COVID and it's just made me sort of realise how lucky I am to do the things I do and, and sort of how much they suit me and I'm enjoying my life at the minute so yeah I mean I, I do love my job mm-hmm. um it's not for everyone a lot of people quit touring during COVID because they realized they wanted to be at home with their families um which is equally fair enough um but for me at the minute where I am um I'm still quite young I think <laughs> and... you seem pretty young yeah <laughs> I, I, mm-hmm. wait, yeah I would say so yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I want to get out there as much as I can mm. and see as much of the world as I can um, before I have to start worrying about, you know, adult things. You just <laughs> learn how to cook for yourself, like just one thing yeah, at a time. I mean, yeah, basically, maybe steps. Um, <laughs> and also, maybe you don't. Maybe you just get to be at this stage for the rest of your life and then that's fine. That's fine. That's fine too. <laughs> Yeah. I'd like to have a little, a little bit more, <laughs> more um, you know, 
more sort of uh, protection behind me in the future. Oh yeah, of course. So I guess final question. Mm -hmm. um, Well, just kind of the conclusion stuff, which is like, what advice do you have for those looking to follow in your path who think they might be a bit of a Megan and want to move around and tinker? And uh, honestly, I think the best way to get into touring. Um, it, I mean, would probably be just just get out there and, and get as much experience as you can. Mm-hmm. Start with venues. Um, there are venues everywhere, and there's sound engineers everywhere that are willing to take on an apprentice and just you know go and shadow, work for free for a little bit if you can. Um, and I I took the route of going through an audio production company. Um, which is one of the ways of doing it. So, you know, you go and work in the warehouse for a little bit, you learn about all the gear, um, you learn how it all goes together, how to fix it when it's broken. And then eventually you'll end up on the road as a freelancer, either for that company or with the knowledge that you've taken from that company. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's, I mean, there are a few ways of doing it. Some people, you know, come across a band that love them and just want to take them on tour, you know, as their sound engineer. And that's great too. Um, I didn't really spend enough time in venues to, to find that band. I just ended up mm. straight in the warehouse and straight uh, onto the gear, um, learning how to use the gear. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, there are a couple of ways of doing it. Um, if anybody, you know, wanted to chat, I mean, I'm on Facebook. Um, so yeah, people are more than welcome to, to send me a message if you want to know. Um, I can imagine how hard it is to find a Megan Clement on mm. Facebook. <laughs> you don't reply on Facebook. Oh. I've tried. I actually am so bad. But, you know, if people message me, I might reply one day. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm. I am still very young in this industry as well Mm -hmm. so I'm still very much finding my feet and make sure I'm going the right way so um there are there are a lot of people on all the Facebook groups especially Mm -hmm. you know that that have you know decades of experience and and more than willing to sort of but that's everyone I I think that's very it's very good that um we got to chat to because uh the people have been in the industry for decades have started out decades ago which used to be a different world so sure then yeah then it is now yeah so. it sounded like it was a lot more fun oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> back in the 80s yeah <laughs> awesome i want to keep track of your stories so let's stay in let's stay in touch <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah this is uh this is super fun thanks for joining us uh for mm-hmm. taking the time um, yeah thanks, uh, thanks for coming on Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.
The Sound Girls Living History Project is a collection of oral history interviews that highlights the careers and achievements of women and underrepresented groups in audio. One of the interviews is with Stephanie Brown, a sound editor and dialogue and ADR supervisor, known for her work on The Incredible Hulk, 8 Mile, A Wrinkle in Time, and many others. Working on The Matrix was probably my favorite because at the time we didn't know what that movie was going to be, but we knew something was going to happen. And to see the phenomenon that movie became was amazing. And then to be involved in the sequels, it's still the highlight of my career is just being involved in that. Be sure and catch the full interview with Stephanie Brown, along with all the other Living History interviews, over on the Sound Girls website or YouTube channel.